Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your U.S. Open Megapod. Yeah, Mega Preview Pod. And joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. What up, Greg? I love a Megapod. I'm, I'm all in. Let's do this. Remember Mega Man, the video game guy? Shoot shoot out of his... No? I'm not getting much reaction from uh, Mega Man. All right. I was I was homeschooled, so I, I got oh, All right, Kyle Porter is here. And Kyle, um, I think this is a week you're going to really enjoy, my friend. Oh, I'm fired up. I, I woke up Monday morning just, just really excited about this week. I know you're alluding to the fact that like 10 over is going to win it, but I'm also I'm – yeah. I'm excited about Wingfoot. I think it's going to be – I love great courses. We saw this at Muirfield Village, Olympia Fields. It's just, it, we saw it at TPC Harding Park, honestly. Like, it just is a great course that I think is going to uh, provide a great tournament. I, I can't wait to see it, to see it in action. Um, if you want to see us in action, we're on YouTube at First Cut Pod on Twitter and Instagram as well. And that's where we will drop our cheat sheet with all the good stuff that we've put together for this week. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as well, but gentlemen, we've got to jump into the storylines and we, we must check off the box, Greg, of what this course is going to bring. And you and I kind of covered this a bit uh, on yesterday's pod in the DFS preview, but now we're starting to get uh, some quotes. We're starting to get some uh, press conferences going on. And uh, basically both Tiger Woods and Dustin Johnson pretty much alluded to Greg that Wingsfoot is the most difficult course they've ever played. Uh, Dustin Johnson seemed to think he was going to play a little more conservative. Uh, there's definitely an attitude and he also wasn't sure if I was going to say, uh, I thought you were going to say Dustin Johnson didn't know if he had played this course before because that has also happened. <laughs> and if he did, he didn't really remember it. I think he, I think it was the East course when he played um, that, that was entertaining for sure. Um, but, but in his, kind of pre-preparations he's definitely thinking finding fairways are going to be important and what I found really interesting is he said he doesn't like to draw his driver and and that I think has been one of the reasons he's been so successful since the restart is he's really committed to that fade and and this has been going on for a lot longer than just since the restart but uh, we've seen it really come together he was struggling when he wasn't fading it and now all of a sudden it's fading and boom Dustin Johnson is your player of the year so I, I'm interested to see what he does on a lot of these holes that dogleg to the left or slope to the left. Uh, I'm very curious to see what he does. How far back does he lay? Is he able to hit a lot of fairways? Because this strategy is is not a typical Dustin Johnson strategy. Yeah, well, crooked uh, PGA Tour Player of the Year voting. By the way, I need a recount on that. What was the problem? Uh, you didn't. You don't. You don't think money talks, KP? 
Uh, he didn't even win the tour championship. I thought Greg's point, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, yeah, he didn't win the tour championship and we're crediting to him. Like he did a- anyway, that we don't, we don't need to talk about that. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Greg, and maybe you guys talked about this on, I haven't had a chance to listen to the Monday pod. Are some of the bigger hitters going to put driver away and just try to find fairways? Like, is that, is, are, are we going to see, uh, Jason Day, like play that driving iron. Are we going to see uh, Rory and uh, Rom and some of these guys hit three iron when they should be hitting three wood or driver? Do you do you think that's actually going to happen? I think a lot of that depends on how firm the fairways get. You heard a lot of that today on live from if you're looking. But I mean, this is a this is a long golf course. You're looking at 450, 484, which can, can, these can all play a little bit longer. This is kind of like middle of the green yardages, 467, 502, 490. Um, You, you just kind of go down the list and all of these holes have a lot of length to them. So there's not a ton of opportunity to lay back with the long iron, to lay back with the three wood, unless it gets really firm and fast. And if you're starting to hit, which it very well could, if you're starting to hit long irons that are going 290, then I think that's a real possibility. But I still think you're going to see the aggressive play off the tee prevail for the most part, unless it's a player like Dustin Johnson who doesn't like a particular shot shape uh, and they they feel like it's impossible to hit the fairway with the driver. Like I, I don't see DJ hitting driver on 18 unless it plays into the wind significantly. Um, Greg, did did you hear them say? I thought I heard this on on live from that DJ had to put a two iron in the bag this week. Is, did you yeah. hear that as well? Okay, yeah, I did. Um, which is interesting because the reports that I'm hearing, a lot of players are putting five woods, uh, seven woods, even and some higher lofted hybrids in the bag. Um, and the reason for that is getting it out of the rough. You're I mean, you're not going to be able to get anything more than a lot of reports are saying eight iron out of this rough. Um, but when you get to a hybrid, you get to a five wood. Sometimes that can increase your chances because you need some loft, but a little bit of the back weighting in a club like that can help get the ball up in the air. And you're not in running that risk of the ever embarrassing uh, top in the rough, which you will see this week where a guy's going to swing with a club that he shouldn't be hitting and nobody's going to see where the ball went and it's going to be six feet in front of him. I just will I, see that. I think if you're, if you're Rory and you don't hit, a ton of fairways. You're 156th on tour in fairway percentage. Not that I looked it up this morning. You, wh- why not find a fairway and just, okay, let's, let's play this game from where you're playing it, Kevin Kisner. And if you're going to hit it with, with driver, I'll hit it with a three iron or whatever. Try to beat me from 220 and in. You're still not going to beat me. But if I hit it in the rough repeatedly, and, and I don't know, may, maybe I'm over rating just the the rough thing because that you don't you don't normally see that at other u.s opens it just feels like this week statistically it might shift more toward guys just ha- just dying to find these i listened to jeff ogilvy on the fried egg podcast he was talking about how he's like you hit it in the rough on 18 you literally can't make par like you cannot make par and so I'm, I'm really intrigued by uh, just, I, I think there's more, it seems like, especially for the best players and the longest hitters, there's more strategy maybe than at a pebble last year at an Aaron Hills in, in 2017. Well, here's the thing to the strategy. I'll ju- just jump in real quick. If you look at the green complexes, you have to miss these short. 
And there are two exceptions. 18 is an exception where short is a real penalty. Um, number six, a par three, short, that false front is a real penalty. You don't want to come up short on those holes. But six is, you know, 150-yard shot. It, it's, a, it's a short iron for these seven? players, depending on what the seven? location is. Yes, yes, seven. seven. I, I'm sorry. I birdied it, um, no big deal. Yeah. Uh, so did Greg. Well, Greg Miller made triple there. We were trying to see if Greg has birdied every hole out there, and he was like, maybe. So. No, 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 no. I haven't. I have birdied 18, and I did birdie 18 from the rough uh, to a back left pin. It's the best shot I've ever hit in my life. <laughs> that whole awesome. location will be there. I'll, I'll tweet about that shot I hit. Um, it was 224 iron. It was pretty good. Um, you, here you, want, you want another five minutes on that? You or? don't remember it at all, though, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I hardly. I think it, it might have been on the East Course. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing about the rough: if you are going to miss a green, you want to miss the green short. Pretty much every green, with the yeah. exception of 18, and with the exception of of the par three seventh, uh, which again it's 162 on the card, so it's a short iron, not a big deal. Um, to hit that to to hit that green left and right, but so when missing short becomes the advantage, you wanna it, it it's not that big of a deal if you're in the rough because you it it doesn't tempt you as much to feel like you have to reach the green if you can get it to thirty yards short, you can get it to forty yards short, you can get up and down, and there are cases where it's better than having a a five iron from the fairway and missing it left to right because yeah. your chances of getting up and down from left to right they go way down and heaven forbid long. Um, if you miss long, you're often going to be, it's going to turn into a, a miss short. It's just going to take you an extra shot to get there. There was such a great quote from John Rahm who referenced uh, this great stat, which is the last two majors that were won by a player who did not break par in any of his four rounds. Oh, six wings foot. And 74 U.S. Open, oh, by the way, Wingsfoot. Okay, so there's a little bit of historical uh, reference here. But John Rahm said, you can call the last two U.S. Opens Massacre at Wingsfoot 1 and 2. Hopefully, this one is number 3. And KP, that Mm. word, hopefully. Uh, My ears perked up. My eyes widened. I'm I'm thinking if this guy's embracing Massacre at Wingsfoot 3, I, I'm I'm worried. Like this might be John Rob's week. You you should be worried, and uh, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil my picks later. But th- there's a reason that Rom is saying that. Think about the two hardest setups of the year, right? And Rory talked about this at Olympia Fields. He said Muirfield Village, Olympia Fields, two hardest setups of the year. He he threw Harding Park in there, sort of, but not to the extent that Muirfield Village and Olympia Fields were. Who won at Muirfield Village and Olympia Fields? John Rom. And, you know, you, it's interesting that Greg brings up the, okay, if you're 30 yards short, 40 yards short. And this is another thing that Ogilvy referenced, not to, not to keep going back to that, but I thought it was so interesting because he won there in 06. So it's like, okay, well, I, I need to listen to this guy. He knows what he's talking about. And he's just great to listen to. But he talked about, okay, for, I mean, T to green, you have to be awesome. That, that's every major. That's not like, that's not a unique thing to wing foot. But he said you have to get up and down so many times. So to me, as I'm looking at players that I like this week, picks that I want to make, I'm thinking, okay, who whose short game is the most creative, is the best, is the most consistent? 
And I think when we get to our kind of, you know, our, our matchups and our picks later on, we'll, we'll kind of start looking at some of that stuff, but that's just, I don't know. That's sort of the way that I've kind of thought about how's this going to play out at, at Wingfoot. Have you guys read back on some of the older uh, Wingfoot events? It's, it's carnage. It's, it's, I mean, there's a great quote uh, when Nicholas putted off the green in 74 on the first hole, somebody, whoever was playing behind him said, I saw Jack Nicholas put off the first green and I, I and I thought, what are us mere mortals going to do on this course? <laughs> no, the, first, the first green I think is the, is the real, the most dangerous green on the course. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a high likelihood that somebody puts off of it. There are just so there, there's very few hole locations that look fair. There's a lot of humps and bumps. There's a lot of action on that green. And in 2006, they sent a notice to the players that the first green was going to be a little bit slower than the rest of the greens because there was so much slope. Mm -hmm. Now, it has been redone, and I haven't heard any reports of them doing that again. But that's an area to watch for. You, you, you'll see somebody put it off that green again because it gets um, – you, you, you can hit some good putts that end up catching a, a ridge and end up a long way away from where you thought they'd stop. All right, Greg, put a bow on this John Rom quote for us because I think what we've been talking about with the physical side of what it's going to take at Wingsfoot, there is also a huge mental side and being able to embrace that you're going to make bogeys this week, probably a lot of them, and par is going to be a good score in a lot of situations. There are just some guys who embrace that a little bit better than others. And I, I do think John Rom's one of those players who can do when when you understand the mindset going in that this is going to be difficult. It can it can bode well for a John Rahm in a strange way that uh, the, the calm attitude is great. But if you, if you know going in that you're going to make bogeys and you're going to make mistakes, it, it goes to something that John Rahm has been talking about. He says, well, I learned from, I think he learned this from Phil. I, I don't have to be perfect every time I play. And, and that has been kind of something he keeps in his mind that has helped his mental game going forward. And I look at John Rahm as a guy who is going to come in this week and know okay, I'm not going to be perfect. This isn't going to go uh, 100% the way I want. And when I get a bad break, I'm going to be ready for it. You go to some of these other regular tour events where it's more, you're more in control of what happens because conditions are softer and fairways are softer and your, your ball stops closer where it lands. You have control. And when you make mistakes, you get frustrated. And I think this week there's going to be an opportunity for him to, to talk in, in his self-talk, say, okay, I, I'm hitting good shots. The brakes are doing whatever they're doing. I can accept it. it. It makes it in some cases a little easier to accept. I think where it's helped him, you know, everybody's like, oh, John Rahm's a different person. It's like, ah, he's, I think he's kind of still, still the same guy. But I think where it's helped him, we talked about this after Olympia Fields, is I think he just makes better decisions right? Like in, in events like this, he still had, I mean, he shot 75 at Mirfield village on Sunday. It's not like it was a perfect round, but he know he just, I think as you mature, you know, where your misses are, uh, you can kind of take your medicine at times. And I think that's where it's helped him more than like, Oh, he's totally calm on the go. Have you watched a John Rom round recently? Like you can watch four holes. He's not, he's the same person. He's just, he he's, he's, navigating his way around the course in a more mature way, I think. This field is absolutely stacked. So without the the usual qualifying process, we, we kind of had to patch this thing together, and we ended up getting some of the top players from the European Tour, some of the top players from the Corn Ferry Tour getting auto invites. And, and KP, I'll go back to you on this one, because I'm not sure we've chatted since, like, the Scotty Scheffler news happened on 
here on the pod, which is just unfortunate, right? I mean, this is a kid who is now the rook, reigning rookie of the year, was really hoping to see him be able to tee it up at Wingsfoot at a U.S. Open, and, and we're not going to see it, which is obviously unfortunate. Yeah, him and and Sam Horsfield, who's a European tour guy, played at Florida. He's won two of his last four starts. I mean, Scheffler, who, who's coming in hotter than Scheffler? Uh, DJ. Rom. Rom. That's that might, about it. <laughs> that might be it. I mean, he's finished in the top five, three of his last four, four of his last five, something like that. 28 in the world. I, you know, he, he would have... I don't know that he's going to win Wingfoot this week, but he would have been in my, I did a top 20 list for CBSports.com. He would have been on that. I mean, he easily, like he probably would have been in the top 14. Um, so yeah, it, it, it does stink and it stinks be, especially because we haven't had any of this for what, since the Barracuda five weeks, six weeks, we haven't seen any yeah. positive COVID tests, which is great. And then the week you really don't want them to pop up, they, they've started to pop up. So hopefully it's limited to, uh, to Horsefield and to, uh, to Scotty Schoffler. Yeah, and hopefully we can get those guys back out there as soon as possible. But, Greg, I mean, I'm, I'm actually looking at Kyle's rankings right now, and you, I could argue any of these. Like, Daniel Berger's 14th, and as much as we all love Daniel Berger, Greg, like, there are probably 13 guys. Like, it's so deep. It's so crazy what this field is shaping up, and I feel like we have a lot of guys just playing really well, which is always nice to see. There, there are a, a, a large group. There's a large group of players playing well. And it's interesting. I, I, I've been going back and forth on this in my mind. Is this a field that's really wide open? Can anybody win? Or is this like a Beth Page Black where there's really only 10, 15 players who have a legitimate chance of winning? And I think I'm leaning towards the, the first. I think there's a lot of guys with a chance. I agree. Um, and, and just looking back, and Kyle, you brought this up with Jeff Ogilvy, how often you have to get up and down out here. I'm just going through a couple of the top guys uh, from, from Wingfoot. You're talking about Jeff Ogilvy. He hit 42 of 72 greens. Um, Jim Furyk, 41 of 72. <laughs> Phil, 42 of 72. Monty was 39 of 72. It's Those insane. are all the guys in the top two. Um, they, so, I mean, you're talking about 30 scrambling opportunities. 30 over the course of, of 72 yeah. holes. It, it's going to be a really frequent thing. And when short game becomes the most important thing, when the best tee to green players are missing that many greens, to me, it, it opens up the field. Well, the other thing is, I think Ogilvy made nine birdies that week, which is, I mean, <laughs> DJ made nine birdies on the front nine at TPC Boston a couple weeks ago <laughs> or eight or whatever. <laughs> and and and, and Ogilvy made a nine, joke. He made nine on the week. I mean, so I guess the point is like you're making you're making real you're making good bogeys this week. You might be you might make some good doubles this week, and you have to. I mean, you you just can't you can't make a triple. You can't make a quad because you're get, you're going to get so far away from par, and you don't you don't have opportunities to bring it back down. You yeah. just have to, you have to manage your bogeys uh, real quick, Rick, read that top 10 and see if there's anybody you disagree with. Just, just rattle it off. All right. It was, well, I scrolled down to your root ability rankings. So let me, hold on. Let me get back up here. So it it, is. DJ, here it is. I have it. I have it. I have okay. it. D, DJ, John Rom, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Webb Simpson, Xander Shoffley, Adam Scott, Rory McIlroy, Patrick Reed, Hideki Matsuyama. The one I take biggest umbrage with is probably Adam Scott. I respect the 
19 career top tens in major championships that he is historically one of the best tee to green players for the last decade. Uh, for me, I've just not seen enough. Only three starts in the restart. I think that I would probably swap out. I mean, burger. Um, I mean, I, I'd probably even go hat and I, I wouldn't move Scott down too much, but like those guys definitely piqued my interest. Yeah. Scott, Scott was tough for me because he, I, I sort of put him up there cause he's my sleeper. I'll spoil that. <laughs> But also, like, he's he just kind of shows up at majors, yeah. right? Like, he even at the PGA, you're like, oh, Adam Scott's, like, kind of in this a little bit on the weekend. I think he faded to, like, T22 or something like that. Um, but it just, I don't know. He's just such a classic player, and this is such a classic course that it. I, I just, I kept bumping him up. I started him at, like, 13, and then I just kind of, he just kind of f- flew up the board. Uh, okay, Greg, how do you feel about Rory McIlroy being eighth on this list? I mean, I I could make an argument both ways, which makes me feel like it's pretty fair. I feel like it's pretty fair, too. I mean, Rory's record at U.S. Opens, yes, he has a win back in 2011, but it hasn't been great. I mean, he's, he's basically making half the cuts. Uh, in 11 events at a U.S. Open for Rory, he's made six cuts. Um, one of them's a win. He he does contend when he gets in there, but but he it can go sideways for him pretty quickly. And look, it just takes a couple of really bad breaks uh, off the tee for a round to get derailed. And the hard part about a, a venue like this, a place like this, is you could see many of the best players in the world get themselves play themselves out of contention very quickly. And and this tournament could be could be blown wide open. So I, I don't really have a problem with Rory sitting there at eight, especially because there are so many guys that have a legitimate chance. It, it probably extends to, I mean, how many how many guys do you think, Kyle? Is it, are there twenty guys that could win? Is it like last week where there's eighty? Well, yeah, there's like a hundred and eleven last week. Yeah, uh, I think you, it, it's hard because you start. And I, as I was doing this you get down to the 20 range and you're like, okay, do I take a guy with a resume who hasn't been playing well? Like Gary Woodland, Gary Woodland was my, was my 19th or 20th guy. Woodland's been mediocre at best since the restart, but he also won the U S open last year. So he's got the pedigree, you know, he can do it. And so it just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you start getting past that 2025 mark and it gets, kind of dicey especially with uh some guys just not really being on form so to me it's i don't know 15 or 20 guys i would i would say i notice kyle that here he is the guy i'm looking for the big cat uh Mm. he did make your short list of 20 in fact he is 17th on this list he's 50 to 1 to win via our friends over at william hill and I think this might be what you're talking. I mean, there's really no evidence in this calendar year that Tiger Woods can compete at Wingsfoot. There's, right. there's no evidence of that. Right. But you look at 15 major championships. He's Tiger Woods. All this good stuff. Uh, you got it. You got to put some respect on his name. I'm assuming that's why he makes this list for you. Yeah, it's a little bit of the same thing with with Woodland. Woodland's been better than Tiger, but you're like. Do I- I don't want to get caught with Tiger winning the U.S. Open and me not having him on my on my list of guys because you know people would be fired up about that. Um, so yeah, it just you know you, you start again. You start looking at recent form, and there's guys that are up there that you're like, I don't know, is that is is uh, Siwoo Kim? Siwoo Kim going to win the U.S. Open? I don't I don't think so. Even though he's playing pretty well right now, 
So then you drop down and you're like, well, Tiger's, I mean, just the pedigree. He's so smart. You, you start to talk yourself into like, especially Tiger, he can kind of manage his way around. Um, and, 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 and the, sh- the problem is the putting, right? With his putter, you're just like, how's, like, is he going to win the U.S. Open putting like this? I, I don't think so, but I'm scared to not put him in the top 20. He's got a new, uh, he's got a new putter grip on that Scotty Cameron this week. I, I saw that. Hashtag Jonathan Wall. Thanks, Jay Wall. A corded grip on that famous Scotty Cameron. Greg Tiger in 2006 said, marginal shots are just going to get killed here. It's just the nature of this golf course, which I think is really interesting, right? Being just a little bit off makes a big difference. And, and I mean, quite frankly, for Tiger, he's been a lot of bit off recently. And I think you might get, there's a chance he gets eaten up here. Yeah, there is a chance. And part of the reason is you, you look at players and what their recipe for success is and, and how somebody is going to win. What's the formula? And for Tiger, a, a place like Augusta National works really well for him because it's a second shot golf course. And you uh, can mm. rely on your iron play. And as we talked about a little bit yesterday, Rick, this is a this is a first shot golf course this week, and then short game from there. Uh, and the the reason for that is when you're a little bit off off the tee, which you will be, you're going to end up um, with your third shots approaching the green. You're you're going to end up in some interesting places. So the point being, and Gary Woodland was asked, well, from about Tiger from the Zozo, what was so impressive? And he said he was just dialed in with distance control, mm. and that's taken away in the rough this week. And so for, for almost everybody, there's going to be a number of shots where that distance control is just taken away because you're not able to keep it in the fairway uh, for the entirety of a round. I don't think you're going to see players hitting 11 of 14 fairways. I just, I mean, it, w- it would be an incredible display of driving if you did. So once you're in the rough, which I'm, I'm figuring Tiger's going to be in the rough, his advantage is wiped away. Yes. And I, I just, I like Kyle, I have so many questions about his putting. I can't see it going very well. So here, here's an example of what I'm talking about, Rick. Mackenzie Hughes, top 15 in his last three starts. Uh, Northern Trust, BMW, Tour Championship. Is Mackenzie Hughes or Tiger Woods more likely to win the U.S. Open at Wingfoot? Oh, God. Right? Um, because Mackenzie yeah. Hughes is not going to win the U.S. Open at Wingfoot. He's just, he like... I like Mackenzie Hughes. He's not going to win. Right. Uh, I don't think Tiger is either, but then you start getting into like, well, who is going to win it then? Is there only 13 guys? Is there only nine guys? It, it'd be, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's difficult to kind of uh, navigate all that as you're trying to make picks. We, and I think that's Greg nailed it. And we also talked about this week of Mirfield village tigers, big, the big thing that he can rely on, with iron or wedge in hand, goes away if you are not in the fairway. It is that simple. He loses his big edge over the rest of the field, especially at a place like this. Uh, Phil Mickelson returning to the scene of the crime. <laughs> that's the way we. That's the way we do it, right? That's what we say this week. Um, the infamous 2006 loss. Greg, he's 80 to one via our friends at William Hill. Um, I don't know. I guess we should talk about him going for the career grand slam. Six runner-up finishes. Yeah. he. Well, look, he deserves to be uh, discussed. There's no question about it. Um, and there will be caution tape up on the left side of the 18th hole there for when Phil gets to that tee box. 
Um, but that being said, uh, Phil plays his best when he swings free. And that's when one of the things he talks about it all the time. He talked about it at Ozarks national when I'm free, I'm, I play really, really well. And he said in normal tour events, I get, um, I, I get a little steery as he says, and that's what happens to rough. And I think back to 2019, he almost withdrew from the players. He, he played the Arnold Palmer invitational missed the cut. It was really bad. He said, I'm going to go to the players and see what the rough is like. And if it's too long, I'm going to withdraw because when the rough is thick, it messes <laughs> up my swing. Classic. And, though. and so the, cause he, he becomes a little bit fearful. Whereas at Augusta national, which I keep bringing up, it, it gives you width off the tee and he can swing free. He can play without fear of missing off the tee. And so his advantages increase at a place like that. Whereas this week, I just I'm not sure the rest of his game is as strong as it was in 06, where he could be inaccurate off the tee and still compete. And that's exactly what he did in 06. He he was not accurate off the tee. He scrambled his way around the golf course um, and and should have won the tournament. So I, I just I'm not sure his game is as as sharp this year as it was in 2006. Um, and and it gives me concern. Two things about Phil Mickelson, um, Kyle. I'll go to you. One, I've got a beef with Phil. Okay, so Phil's coffee launches this week. Okay, so I hop on there. I'm going to go see what his coffee's up to. He's selling it in pods, KP. That's like the worst thing for the environment. What are we doing out here? You can't have pods. This has got to be like ground stuff. Wait, pot, like the Keurig pods? Yeah, it's like the worst thing for the environment. It's not It's not good. Phil, Phil needs to get on with the, what's the, what, the third wave of coffee. Have you, have you read about this? No. I'm interested though. So the third wave is like the, it's, it's essentially just like the craft coffee world and pods are not, are not part of that. Phil, <laughs> Phil is, uh, he's just, he's, yeah, he's hawking potted coffee uh, the, in, in lieu of, <laughs> of trying to win the USO. Potted coffee. The guy who created the K cup was like, if I knew how popular this was going to be and how these were going to fill up landfills, I never would have done it. Um, also, very self-aware of Phil with this quote that he had this week, KP. He said, now that he's over 50, or that he is 50, any win, a tour win, a major, they're bonus wins. And I think, yeah, he's absolutely right. I mean, history, he's on the wrong side of history. There's, what, seven guys who have won a PGA Tour event over 50? I mean, it's just, it, it's going to be tough to do. I, I, I appreciate the self-awareness here. For sure. How many fairways did he hit last week at, at uh, Silverado? I don't know. Eight. I uh, hit like one on s- Sunday or something like that. It was, it was ugly. And we're supposed to believe this guy is going to contend at, at uh, a wing for the U S open with 10 intro. I mean, look like my stance has been consistent throughout. I think Phil contends again, again at Augusta national. I do. I, I think, I don't know if he's going to win, but I think Phil at 51, 53, whatever, I think he can. I think he gets into contention one final time at Augusta National because of how open it is. It's not going to happen at Wingfoot. I mean, Ogilvy talked about how Phil that week. I mean, it was it was a joke. Like, or maybe it wasn't Ogilvy. Maybe it was a. Maybe it was. Uh, it might have been on uh, Golf Digest. Just whoever it was talked about how Phil's short game that week was the best it's ever been, and. It, and that was with like an in his prime uh, like driver, right? And and now we're out of it. It's it's crazier. And his short game just is not. It's just not there. He's ninety seventh on the PJ Tour last year in strokes gained overall. 
He's just not, and he's still got the name. He's got the coffee. He's lost like 50 pounds since the last time he played the U S open here. He looks, he looks a lot better, but the game is not there. There you go. Uh, all right, gentlemen, we've got to jump into matchups. We've got to do expert picks. We've got to talk one and done. We got a lot to do and we got to do best bets, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And we're back. Match up challenge. Kyle, you were not even here to take your 6-0-2 victory lap. From last week's matchups, big kudos, hat tip, wow. hat tip, my friend to you. I've got the the open the old Tom Morris belt. You're not even giving it up. You're just taking it home. Yeah, we need a an OTM or a YTM, young Tom Morris <laughs> championship belt. <laughs> Love it. I, I read about how uh, uh, A.W. Tellinghouse, who who created Wingfoot, mm-hmm. spent time with old Tom Morris, and there was this article about how he. Um, he was like playing around with his open championship belt while he was hanging out with him. I was like, that is, that's (laughs) awesome. That's the best. (laughs) That is the best. Wear that thing everywhere. (laughs) Uh, We are coming in hot with the first matchup here. We've got Tiger Woods, Greg going up against Adam Scott. And I would like you to kick us off on matchup picks. I'm going to go Adam Scott. um, And thanks for the, I guess, I feel like Kyle should have had the chance to go first. I mean, with that dominant performance last week. It's like the challenger (laughs) has to, has to come at the champ, you know? Okay. I'll I'll come at you. I'm going to go Adam Scott here. A couple things I really like about him. One, the putting is becoming a strength of his game, which is very important. Um, Two, Adam Scott says 
if he were, if this were a normal year and he were playing a regular schedule, he'd be right at home here. This is the kind of golf that, uh, that suits his game. This is the kind of golf that gives him an advantage. Um, and another thing is about Adam Scott is he's really good in that 50 to 75 yard range with the wedges. And I think that's going to be really important. There are a couple of holes, maybe number 11, maybe six, although I think they're going to get it a little closer on, uh, on, on six. Um, but when you miss fairways and you end up in that range, who's going to be really good with wedges? I think Adam Scott is, uh, and I love what he's been doing with the putter. It's interesting, KP, because I, I, I do kind of just buy into this Adam, like Sunday afternoon, Adam Scott's name's going to be like in the top 25. Like it's just yeah. going to be around, right? You know, Tiger's noisier at majors just because he's overcovered, right? Yeah. So we, I think we think about Tiger at majors, you're like, oh yeah, Tiger will probably be around, but Really, you look at Adam Scott's, you look at his Wikipedia, you know, the, the yellow squares. I love the yellow squares. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Top, for people that don't, it's top tens at majors. It's filled in with the yellow square. There's a lot of them. And, you know, his highest ever finish, Chambers Bay, 15. I don't even remember. He finished in the top five. And I, I don't even I can't remember. I can't say about a single shot that he hit there. So, yes, I like Adam Scott. I think he's going to have a good week. And I just don't, I just don't think Tiger's as sharp as he needs to be. Yeah, it's a round of Scott for us. The next one, I literally have no idea what to do with Kyle. We'll start with you. It's Jordan Spieth, 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 and Phil Mickelson. Uh, good luck. I was told this is not this is not on the record. I was yes, told that there. Oh, it, yes, it is. <laughs> I want to, I want to just reiterate. I was told there was video of Spieth from Silverado last week where he hit a wedge shot and he said something like everything is broken. It's so broken. Did you, have you guys heard about this? No, but I would love to get my hands on that. Yeah. That exists. It's, I I don't know if it's real. I, somebody heard it, saw it, whatever. Um, I'm glad I didn't see it. I don't, (laughs) I don't want to see it, (laughs) but all that having been said, and this point was made in a group chat I'm in today about Spieth. Spieth is used to grinding stuff out, right? Like, he, like this is kind of like an on-brand week for Spieth where he's just trying to make – he's struggling to make bogeys, struggling to make pars. I, yeah. I don't believe in Phil at all right now. And I know he made the cut last week at Safeway. He said he's hitting it worse than he's hit it in three months or whatever. I, I think I'm going to go Jordan Spieth here. Greg, I don't believe in either one of these guys. So uh, I don't know, man. T- t- talk to me. Talk to me. That was quite a uh, sell job on Jordan, by the way. There. Um, so I'm. I'm feeling. Yeah, Jordan he made. Here he too. made the segue from everything's broken to I like him this week. Yeah. <laughs> I, I. I mean, I'm pro Jordan this week for many of the same reasons. I think for Jordan, this is going to be a a pretty good opportunity for him. Um, but I feel like I, I feel like my boat just got uh, punctured. There's a hole in there's a hole in the bucket here, which is a problem. But I'm still going to go Jordan. I'm going to stick to my guns. I, if that was on the record, Kyle, there may be uh, a little bit more question for me. But I'm going to say off the record means it didn't happen. So Jordan Spieth here. I I think he's going to have opportunity to scramble, and I'm hoping that we see uh, Jordan kind of like what we saw at Beth Page Black. Doesn't really make sense yet the the grinders and the scramblers can stay in it. I took Phil. 
I, I don't know why I put Phil question mark in the outline. I do not trust either one of these guys. At least Phil made the cut at Silverado last week. He's got the winged foot vibes. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a dart between these two, uh, Dustin Johnson and John Rom. This is the most interesting one. Not only because they are the two shortest odds to win this golf tournament. They're both minus one ten. and Greg, I think, I think you and I might've talked about this or you might've noticed this as well. It's interesting that they are both the same odds in the matchup market but DJ has shorter odds to win, which would normally tell you odds makers think DJ's ceiling is a lot higher, which they're probably right. And that John Rom's floor is a lot higher, which is probably right. So I'm going to take John Rom. I just thought this was a very interesting situation that we ran into with the numbers this week. I, I think John Rom has a better chance on paper. Um, I do. DJ plays US Open so well. That's the one thing that kind of has me uh, scratching my head. But I, I give John Rahm the advantage in the short game, which I think is going to be more important this week. I, I do give DJ a tee to green advantage, particularly with irons. But I think iron play is mitigated to some degree, more so than a normal week this week. And for that reason, I'm going to go John Rahm. But man, I mean, that's just looking at it on paper. The This is a coin flip. As you said, Rick, you can throw a dart between these two. Who's who's gonna get the breaks? Who's gonna turn? I mean, it's very likely that one of these guys contends to win this golf tournament. Mm, certainly, KP. Yeah, I'm going Rom. Uh, I, ju- I I just I believe in Rom this week. I think he's gonna have an awesome week. That is a round of Roms. KP, we'll start here with you. Rory McIlroy plus 100. Justin Thomas minus 125. Yeah, I always tie myself into Rory, and I'm not going to do it this week. He's missed three of his last four U.S. Open cuts. Um, I just I don't think a short game is good enough. I don't, and I think JT's. I think JT's is. I think JT has maybe the best short game in the world, and you know JT's interesting. He's only had three top tens at majors. Um, yeah. Tony Finau has t- more than twice as many as Justin Thomas top tens at major championships, which is kind of bizarre. Uh, Finau's probably played in more cause he's been around for longer, but JT, I think JT's had more major success or he's had less major success than we actually think that he has, mm. but this course just, I feel like it sets up so well for him. Just yeah. the short game stuff. Um, the only concern for me is, He's not been putting well and he gets, he can get a little wild off the tee. Um, but I, I just, I think he's going to have a better weight than Rory. Yeah, Greg, I think you actually talked a little bit about that on Monday. Sometimes that, that, that right. One of these like, boop, or right. <laughs> like that comes into play a few, a few more times than you'd like to see from JT. Yeah, that's true. But you know, in a strange way, missing big, isn't a huge penalty. It's almost like all misses are, are created equal off the yeah. tee here. There's very few opportunities to uh, take a penalty shot, which is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm kind of pro Jordan, um, despite the fact that he's <laughs> that, not pro Jordan. That's not a good reason to be pro yeah. There's no opportunity for penalty shots. I mean, maybe number four, you can hit it out of bounds to the right. It's got to be way right. I'm not ruling it out. Um, and then <laughs> uh, and maybe um, one, a left of 15 would be the other opportunity but that being said I, I think that bodes well for a JT I, I really like his short game I like his golf swing at a place like this he mm. like really really upright golf swing really high arm flow and um, I, that helps you in the rough which uh, that is what it is whether that's a help helpful this week or not I whether that means it gets to the green or not I don't know yet 
Um, but, but I do think it's advantageous for him. And I love that wedge play as you mentioned. So I'm going to go JT. All right. We, I think, we, I think JT's tougher than he gets credit for too. Like, I think he is going to grind stuff out. He's got we some are, fire. We are in lockstep because I'll take JT as well. Let's see if I can get a couple of differences from you gentlemen. Xander Shoffley and Colin Morikawa. Kyle, take your pick. So Xander, here's the problem. Xander's range of finishes is like 4th to 11th. (laughs) Yeah. Like he's going to finish somewhere between 4th and 11th. He's finished in the top six in the last three U.S. Opens, I think. All three of his U.S. Opens. And yeah, all, all of them. And Morikawa's range is first to 50th. Yep. So I think I'm going to go Xander just because I believe in the consistency more. How about this, guys? How about Morikawa playing in his first Masters as a two-time major champion with a chance for the, the COVID slam, the, the 2020 slam? <laughs> COVID slam. How, how weird would that be? Uh, I'll tell you what, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit, like Morikawa's answered every question anyone has asked about him through 31 or whatever starts it is on the PGA tour. It's, it's unbelievable, phenomenal what he's done. Um, I I continue to ask questions. He continues to answer them. I'm taking Colin Morikawa this week. Greg, you are on Xander. Big time. Have been since January and and he just continued. He's, he's right on the track. If you could you, write up a script, how, what Xander does leading into a U.S. Open, what his statistical makeup is like. We know about his success in U.S. Opens. Uh, the fit of the golf course, I think, is perfect. It's Xander. Do you, like, okay, let's, Greg, let's say Xander leads uh, by two over Rom and Kevin Kisner on, on Saturday night. Do you wake up on Sunday morning thinking, Sanders winning today. He is definitely winning today. <laughs> it, it's a funny, it's a very funny question because a, a big part of me hopes would hope that he's two back because I love him as a chaser. Um, and, and a leader at this U.S. Open, I mean, having more time, more holes to play is a good thing a lot, it, not this week. So um, in a strange way, I hope he's not in the last group. Um, but he could get the job done. It's just, I wouldn't be as confident. Yeah, that's fair. Tommy Fleetwood gaining a lot of steam with his finish at the Portugal Masters last week, going up against Tony Finau. Fleetwood is plus 100. Finau is minus 125. Right back to you, Greg. Who do you like? I like Finau. I, I'm now, this is a hard one for me because uh, I like both players, but I think Finau on hard golf courses does great. Uh, he, I think he has an underrated short game. The putting has improved this year. He's inside the top 70 strokes game putting for the year last year, which I think is pretty good. Um, And he's in really good form coming in. And he's kind of that heavy hitter that I think is almost a dark horse that people are forgetting about who I really believe can contend. Um, And Tommy Fleetwood, I just, there's really nothing I can say um, in the negative about him other than we haven't really seen a lot of him on the PGA tour. And that would be my one concern with him. Um, But I feel pretty good about both these players. Mm, Yeah. KP. Yeah, I I agree. Finau's got a really underrated short game, by the way. Really creative around the greens. Uh, really good touch around the greens. I, I'm a I'm a sucker for Fleetwood. I'm gonna pick him. I just I can't get out of my head what he did at. Oh, where did he contend? Aaron Hill, Shinnecock. Shinnecock was the main place where it's just like, oh my gosh, like the shots this guy hits are just. I mean, I, I know he kind of struggled a little bit. I'm buying into the T3 at the Portugal Masters, and I like the the value you're getting there. So I'll go with Fleetwood. 
Uh, I also bought into Fleetwood. Just you know, we talked about Xander trending. Fleetwood feels like he's trending. This is exactly what he does. He's a great ball striker. He puts himself in contention at the U.S. Open. Uh, are you straight vibing? KP with Daniel Berger, or are you going with Hideki Matsuyama? Uh, how about this? Hideki Matsuyama ranked fourth on the PGA Tour last season in strokes gained around the green. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I didn't look up his putting numbers because I much worse than fourth. Good choice. I want to give them to you, but (laughs) I'm encouraged by the fact that he contended at Olympia fields. I'm discouraged by the fact that Berger didn't contend at Olympia fields, missed the cut at the Memorial. Those are two tough places that he didn't play that well at. Uh, I I think, I don't know. I don't think Hideki's going to win, but I'll take him in this matchup. I took Berger. I don't feel great about it because Hideki's been good at U.S. Opens. He's been, I mean, he won the Memorial. The around the green stuff is very appealing, but uh, I go for floors usually in situations like this. I like Hideki for like a top five better than I like him in kind of a matchup with any one other golfer. Uh, Greg, where are you going here? We kind of talked about this yesterday, Rick. If you have demons with the putter, um, these greens start to look spooky. Really? Quick. Oh yeah, that's right. So um, there's ghosts out there for Hideki. Yeah, that's what I that's what I worry about. You you start to feel like I, I have three and a half feet, and if I miss, it's going to go off the green, and that's not a good place to be if you um, feel like you might miss a, a short one. And that, with Berger, I feel like his game is so well rounded. If something doesn't go right, he's kind of got the whole thing to back himself up. And Xander is very much the same way, where every area of their game is great. Um, but they're not the best at anything. And I think that those two players have a, a similarity in that regard, which can be, uh, it, it's a good thing. It, it's not always the best thing. It's not always what yields winning. But I think in a week like this, that's going to come a long way because you're going to need all the ammunition you have. You're going to need to throw everything you have at this golf course. And uh, I think that bodes well for, for Berger. Mm. Greg, are you a Jets fan, New York Jets fan? How do you know? Or- well, because I, I knew you'd be familiar with ghosts because doesn't Sam Darnold see ghosts out there? Very funny. Thank you. Okay, two more to go. Gary Woodland, uh, plus 100 versus Matthew Wolf, minus 125 KP. Uh, I want to pick Wolf. <laughs> His short game is not good. I mean, I, I was looking at... I think he was 190th on tour last year and strokes gained around the greens. And I feel like this is the type of tournament where it's one thing to do it at a PGA championship. He was awesome at the PGA. This is the type of tournament where it matters that you've been on tour for 12 years, right? Mm. And that versus Wolf playing in 27 events. I I just, you know, Woodland hasn't necessarily been great, but I'm going to take him over, over Matthew, especially getting value, getting the value that you are. Experience, Greg, is it important at wings foot? I mean, not necessarily winged foot experience, but I, I do like the idea of competing in major championships. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important <clears throat> to understand the ebbs and flows. You're talking with, with Matthew Wolf, you're talking about a guy that's played in, wasn't the PGA's first major? Yeah, it was a great performance, yeah. but he hasn't gone through that struggle where you realize, okay, if I just make a couple of pars after yeah, I made a double at number three, okay, well, if I just keep making pars, I may not be in it by the time Thursday ends, but by the time Sunday ends, if I just keep doing what I'm doing, uh, that's going to even out and I'm going to be right there. And that is where a player 
could start to force it a little bit. A player could get a little ahead of themselves who has less experience. So I, I think Gary Woodland has his finger on the pulse of how a tournament like this is going to go. And I think that gives him an edge. And I'm with you, Kyle. I worry about Matthew Wolf's short game. The bunker in here is way different than, um, than you, I mean, you can't see the bottom of the flag stick. And the bunker shots, um, they get a little longer. You can miss a green by two yards and you end up with a 25 yard bunker shot. So mm, um, I can't it, wait. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. I am going to go with Matthew Wolf here. I respect the game of Gary Woodlands, but I've been talking about how impressed and how much I think Wolf's game is maturing. So I'm ready to put uh, my money where my mouth is. Final one, gentlemen. Jason Day, plus 100. Patrick Reed, minus 125. I think this is pretty straightforward. I'm going to take Patrick Reed. Jason Day's game looks a bit off. KP, what say you? Yeah, I'm with Reed. I, I, I sort of like Jason. I like both these guys as semi-sleepers um, just because they're really good, especially Reed around the greens. I think Jason Day's short game is, is pretty underrated, but Day really fell off the last two events of the season. And I, I, I think that Reed... Reed's tough, man. Like you can say what you want about him, but he'll just keep coming at an event like this and he won't give in, uh, unlike some other guys who might just, you know, start mailing it in. He's, he's not going to. And yeah, I like Patrick. I I actually like Patrick Reed to kind of contend this week. Yeah. He was actually pretty high up on your rankings. I was going to mention that earlier. Um, I like it sneaky, uh, Greg, you've got either Patrick Reed or Jason day. Uh, my inside reports um, are that Patrick Reed is swinging pretty well. And I agree with you, Kyle. I think his makeup is really strong. The short game is really strong. The grind is there. So I'm with you on Patrick Reed here. Uh, I, I think he's a pretty clear play. But I will say this about Jason Day as kind of a devil's advocate. The weakness where he's fallen off the past couple of weeks and where he's fallen off in the past couple of years, honestly, is his iron play. And as I said, I think that to some degree is mitigated because players are going to miss a lot of greens. But at the same time, if you do hit a fairway, you really do have to hit a good iron shot. You've got to be able to give yourself birdie looks when you are in the fairway. And I have doubts about that with Jason Day. uh, And I feel pretty good about it with Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed, uh, T14 at Chambers, miscut at Oakmont, T13 at Aaron Hills, fourth at Shinnecock. And then T32 at Pebble last year. So he, he's been he's been solid at U.S. Opens. It would be peak 2020 if Patrick Reed won the U.S. <laughs> Open. I, I would love that so much. You could, like, guarantee his spot on, like, every team. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, picks, picks, picks. Sleepers. Let's start there. And, Kyle, since you don't have one in the outline and you – I don't – I think you did spoil it earlier. Yeah, it it's – Sleeper. It's Adam Scott. I, yeah. I, I said uh, we were joking about the oldest young guys and the youngest old guys on Twitter today. And uh, I said Adam Scott's been 31 for 15 years is what it feels <laughs> like because he felt like an old guy when he was young and now he feels like a young guy when he's old. But he just he keeps showing up at major championships throughout the, the entirety of his career. You think about real quick, like just the, how much a legacy of, of one guy can change in this week. I mean, you, you add Wingfoot to... Adam Scott's overall resume, whatever, 30 worldwide wins. He's already won Augusta. I mean, all mm. of a sudden, that ju- it takes you up more than like what you would imagine a normal major championship elevating you. So I, I think that would be a pretty cool win. And I love it at 50 to 1. That is, I like that. I like that. Adding, adding this to a resume makes a big difference. Greg, your sleeper is a guy who's finished second quite a few times. Yes, uh, he has the, um, <laughs> what do they call that? The silver slam? 
Oh yeah. I was going to call it the career grand slam of runners up, but that's very specific. You have a much better name. Silver, than Silver slams a little better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yours is creative, but uh, yeah, the silver slam it's, it's Louis Oosthuizen. very similar to Adam Scott in that they just continue to show up at major championships. You go over to the Wikipedia page, you see one green square, which is the same as Adam Scott. And you do see a number of yellow squares as well for the, uh, for the top tens. The interesting thing is there's definitely fewer yellow squares than Adam Scott, but they are um, a lot farther away from 10 and a lot closer to one. You're seeing uh, one, two, yeah, four. He's got four seconds in, in, um, in majors. I think that's why he has the silver slam. Yes. It all adds up each. He doesn't, he doesn't, I thought maybe he might've had it one doubled up. Uh, and, and it was more than four, um, but no, it's not. But the record at <laughs> U.S. Opens is phenomenal. Tied second and 15. Uh, that's part of the Silver Slam. Tied 23rd and 16. Tied 23rd and 17. Tied 16th and 18. Tied seventh last year. I mean, it's kind of sneaky too. It's not yeah. like, I'm not, I don't think back on Shinnecock. I'm like, oh, remember when Louis Ustazen was kind of in it? He's just, he just kind of grinds out these top 25s. Yeah, well, and and he has um, uh, the demeanor that is required. Like, yeah. I know we were just talking about how it can work for a John Rom, but Louis' demeanor is more, um, it, it's more what you would expect to do, be successful at a place like a, like a U.S. Open. I like it. I like it a lot. My sleeper at 55 to 1 is Matthew Fitzpatrick, who I incorrectly identified before we went live as owning a dachshund named Kendrick. That is actually Cameron Smith. That is your fun fact of the day. Matthew Fitzpatrick plays well on difficult golf courses as evidenced by his T9 at Bay Hill, as evidenced by his third place finish at Mirfield Village and his T6 at Olympia Fields. Not generally the type of guy I like to back because he's kind of one of these short game rely on the putter guys, but figures out a way to get it done. I don't really care anymore. Just go out there and get it done. Top tens. Do you think Cam Smith named his dog after Howie Kendrick or Kendrick Perkins or Kendrick Lamar <laughs> or it's, it's definitely Kendrick Lamar over Kendrick Perkins or Howie Kendrick. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Howie Kendrick would be the most random one. I can't even think of a, I can't think of a fourth Kendrick. Uh, <laughs> uh, is there a Car- Kendrick Kardashian. Is there one of those? It's, it sounds like there should be. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> top tens. Uh, Greg. Would you like to divulge your top 10, please? John Rahm. <laughs> okay. Nice That's drama it. there. I, I thought is I thought we lost him. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I've, no, I'm just kidding. I, I didn't freeze there. Yeah, John Rahm's the guy for me. And part of this is I have to fit him in somewhere. You already know who my winner of the week is. Um, and he's obviously not a sleeper. So I, I had to get him in there somewhere. And I just, I, I have a feeling you're going to see him um, in the mix all week long. And um, I I think it's close to a top 10 lock because of the short game. I love it. KP, lock me up with the top 10, please. I've got DJ. Uh, The worry is that he'll fall back after just being so hot for a month. But even if he falls back based on where he's at, it's still going to be into the top 10. So (laughs) I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't know. For some reason, I don't love him to win this week, but I still think he's going to play pretty well. So I've got him. It's not a good value, but I've got him in my top 10. I did go for a little bit more value. Ty had at three and a half to one. Someone tell me why. So Bay Hill was statistically the most difficult golf course last year. Was that just relative to par 
why why do we never include that as like Olympia Fields, Mirfield Village, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Was it? Was I'm it? I'm pretty sure it was like two and a half shots over par. I just looked it up a couple of days ago. I don't have so, it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure. Well, uh, that course is a par seventy two, right? Yes. So was it to par? So or was it field. like? Was it total? No, that's true. Was it total score? Mm, now I'm gonna have to go look it up. We'll have to see. There, there are Rick. I think a few differences in Bay Hill and Muirfield and Olympia Fields. Um, one on that golf course, the greens are fairly benign in their undulation. Whereas it seemed like Olympia Fields had some serious undulation, and you know Muirfield Village and Wingfoot have serious undulation. Um, at Bay Hill, they the challenge at Bay Hill was how firm they were. And, and the, the ball was landing and basically mm. bounding to the back of the green. And you did see some of this at Muirfield too, but um, I, I think that's a, a significant difference. It's a little more, as far as the green complexes are concerned, straightforward. Bunkers aren't as deep. Um, the, the areas around the greens, there's a lot more fairway runoff areas. There's some rough too, but there's more fairway runoffs. You're, you're not really going to see any of that this week. So I, I think those are some differences when you're comparing to us open what what target do you think Haddon will use to spray his shotgun into whatever? <laughs> uh that guy's i guess if it was later in the round it would be that guy's house outside of number three or whatever like right on the property line a three iron into some guy's bedroom right like but i guess it has to be later in the round for that <laughs> yeah later in the round you may have uh the creek on 15 mm. There's not really many penalties. Um, there, there's not hardly any water I think out he, there. I think he might go for like the first green. He might start on 10 and just 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 fire off on the first green, just spraying just fake bullets everywhere. Oh, I love it. Picks to win. KP, tell uh, us what it is. I'm all in on John Rahm. I'm, I I'm 100% in. I was on JT for the last 10 days. I changed it at the last minute. I just, I think he's going to win. I, I like it just, I, I don't, I, I always have a pick and I'm kind of make stuff up or whatever. I, I think John Rahm's going to win this week. I really do. Mm, I think it's very likely. I'd love to see it. I would love to see John Rahm win this thing. Uh, Greg, you're up, sir. Uh, I've, I've stayed, I'm proud of myself because I do, I change my mind a lot in these things. And you look and there's ebbs and flows, especially when you do a really early uh, a really early one, and then the majors get rescheduled. So your picks from January get changed quite a bit, but I'm sticking with my pick from January, and it's Xander Shoffley. Um, he's in great form. He has a great record at U.S. Opens. Uh, he hits the right ball flight. He hits high draws all day, which I think is going to bode well on a lot of the tee shots out there. Um, and, and he has a really solid short game, really good bunker game. He is just so well-rounded and I think he's fit to handle any task, um, and any challenge that's thrown his way this week. You could convince me that there are 15 golfers who can win this golf tournament. I opted for the one that I thought was the most valuable, which is Webb Simpson at 25 to one. We know we can't hit it long, but Greg, you told me on Monday, you know, these green, these fairways are going to run out a little bit. We heard it from Dustin Johnson in his presser uh, on Tuesday, firm and fast. He's going to be hitting it long enough if you can find the fairway. And then uh, just the rest of Webb's game is absolutely phenomenal. I'm excited to see how he does here at winged foot. Uh, real quick. Uh, 
can I get y'all's picks? One uh, guy in the top 20 who definitely will not win. This is a, this is a no lane up special. They always pick somebody who de- like they are guaranteeing will not win the tournament. Yeah. And two, uh, most likely to go full Zach Johnson and, and say that the USGA has lost Wingfoot. Well, we've lost the course. Oh, okay. So I'll, Greg, I'll, I'll, I'll take the first one is Bryson. Bryson's the guy who's not winning this thing. My answer for both is actually Bryson. <laughs> actually. Yeah, that might be true. <laughs> All right, I'm going to clean sweep it. I'm going to completely agree. I, I completely agree. I think it might be, be true. Yeah. I mean, who see, else did you see his quote today? Which one? No, what did he say? He said, uh, oh, I lost it here. He said that he's going to wail away at driver every chance he gets. <laughs> that does <laughs> See, not in, usually end well. In 2006, that was Phil's strategy too. But um, it, He's talked about it. He said going into the week, he was not in great form. He didn't really have control of his lines. And their strategy was, oh, I'm going to hit driver because if I'm going I'm to miss fairways with any club that I hit. So I'm going to hit driver, get it up there as far as I can. Um, but, but Phil and Bryson have very different short games. So I, I don't know if, uh, if, if that's going to work out so well. Uh, Justin Thomas also said the viewers at home are going to see some pretty bizarre stuff and probably a lot of putts and chips that make us look pretty bad. If you're into that stuff, you're going to like this week. I can confirm that I'm into that stuff. <laughs> so I'll uh, be on the DVR for sure. One and done gentlemen. We're in week two of the season. So this is pretty straightforward. Greg looks like Xander's probably your guy. Am I wrong? No, you're right. Thank you. I like to be told that. Uh, Kyle leans towards one and done. John Rom, what are we thinking? You're going to save him? We're saving for later? You're going to use nope. him now? John Rom, all in. The only reason I stray, I may stray, we'll see, from Webb Simpson is Webb has so many great natural fits. Wyndham, Heritage, anywhere else you, you want to play him. Uh, Morikawa's good everywhere. I might deploy Morikawa in my one and done, just like I don't know. Game translates. It feels like Weber might be more valuable at Wyndham in 12 months from now. There's, there's definitely more miscut risk here. That That's the one thing you got to be careful with going with a web who, you know, is like a guaranteed top five somewhere else. There's a lot of miscut mm. risk here for everybody. Uh, web is so interesting because he's been playing so well. And then he was kind of, I don't know. He wasn't that great at the true championship. Does that scare you at all? Yeah, everything scares me. I, I live in fear of everything. Yes, of course. But like, I mean, I get it. I don't know. The tour championship's so weird with the starting strokes. And I don't know if that messes with guys or if it doesn't. I don't know. I'm willing yeah, to throw it, out a lot of those results. I agree. I I, I absolutely agree with that. Who, who do you, like, if you had to, just who do you want to win? If you're like, okay, I'm rooting for this story, this narrative, who, who would you pick? You know what the, I'll tell you the best story would be Jordan Spieth winning. <laughs> you know that, right? Because if you got the guy, okay, we talk about all these other guys. There's 15, <laughs> there's 15 great stories. If, if we injected Jordan Spieth back into the, what is going on in the PGA tour right now, it would be next level. I did. I, I have to say, I did not see that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say Morikawa. I think, I think Morikawa going back to back, and then yeah. going to Augusta with the chance for to win all of them in 2020 would be that would be pretty crazy. I mean, it, it would, and it, it's not really that infeasible. It's a ton of fairways. His short game's pretty good. I don't know if it's good enough, but he he just 
he's kind of relentless from T to green. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I would be into that. Greg mentioned, and Greg, I want to get your thoughts on who you just want to win. But Greg also mentioned if Tiger wins this one, he could, he could catch Jack by April's Masters, <laughs> which I was like, oh, my God, if he does it there, <laughs> that would be insane. Tiger <laughs> wins at Wingfoot, wins November Masters, <laughs> chance to catch Jack. Eight, uh, 18 in April. April. Tiger, Tiger goes three in a row. Yeah, that would be crazy. <laughs> three in a row and done on the yacht, bringing Charlie and Sam with them. Who do you want to win, Greg? Who do you want to Yeah. Tiger. Yeah. Tiger, I, I mean, look, I, oh, I Phil would be Phil. Insane. Phil's got to be the number one story. I, I think coming down the stretch, Phil's the guy you're rooting for. You can't, it would be one of the greatest stories in, in sports history. And Tiger kind of had his last year. If this was to tie Jack or to beat Jack, then yeah. maybe I would lean towards Ty. But for Phil to get the career grand slam, to get the redemption, uh, as Rick said, uh, the scene of the crime, <laughs> I think it, it would just be a great story. So I, I'm going to go Phil there. Phil and Spieth in the final pairing on Sunday. I, I, would, oh. I, I, would need, I would need to be medicated for a we while. Would, we would live stream you and charge nine ninety nine dollars a minute for that. <laughs> and then you could retire. Uh, that's um, great. Best bets, which, oh, by the way, 3-0 and on the season, 3-0 and last week. And producer Jacob tells me that if you had wagered $100 on each bet, you would have won 530 which is more than 100 So that is pretty good. Um, my best bet, speak speak the devil, Phil, uh, is to miss the cut at plus 120. If I can <laughs> If I get plus odds on Phil, who told us his game is the worst it's been in three months, who cannot find a fairway, we know how penal that's going to be. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll take that. So yeah, no worries there. Uh, Greg, your best bet is Berger over Matsuyama. I'm going to stick with the matchups. I've had some good success with you. Have had good success uh, with that on the best bets, and I, it's picking on a guy, right? It's like. I just feel like the the weakness of Matsuyama is going to get exposed this week. And I don't know if Berger really has a weakness. Mm. Dig it. KP, take us home. Uh, I think one interesting one that I really like is winner not in the final pairing in the final round. And Craig, Craig brought this up because you, you normally you want holes out in front of you. You can score. Mm. You, you can, you, you know what you have to do here. You do not want holes out in front of you, especially these holes, especially the last, <laughs> you know, whatever, eight, seven, eight holes at Wingfoot. So I think Ogilvy was, I don't know, third to last group in, in 2006, maybe fourth to last. So I think that, you know, you can hedge it once you kind of get around to Sunday, but I think that's a, that's a pretty interesting one. It's plus 175. Correct. I like that. There are some actually really good ones. How about two holes in one in the event plus 200 and albatross 20 to one for an Albi. Go get your money. Wire to wire winner 12 to one. No chance, right? No, no chance. No, none. Um, gentlemen, congratulations. You've made it. It is us open week. It's winged foot week. This has been our preview pod, the mega pod. Let me thank Greg Ducharme at The Real GFD. Greg, would you like to leave us with any any parting words? Uh, well, thanks for joining me this week. Um, I, I've, it's been so much fun previewing it. I, I can't wait to see how uh, how wrong we are. Yes, always for sure. fun. KP, uh, at Kyle Porter CBS, would you like to leave us with any final words? Yeah, last thing. Uh, 
it's had, this might be the first time ever Tiger's been the third best ball striker in his group. So mm. enjoy. You it. caught me off guard on HQ with that one. I was like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, that was so good. You can find me at Rick Run Good. And in the great words of Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. This has been the first cut. Catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.